0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. Just a couple things really quick before we jump into part two of this conversation with my friend Corey. Uh, if you've not listened to part one, it's the episode just right before this one if you want to get caught up. This is part two of that conversation today. But one thing really quickly, I am going to be doing a season finale for this series, Institutional Exodus, that will be airing next week week next tuesday as our episodes always dropped in and it's just some thoughts that i've had over the past six months it's kind of be kind of more of like a sermon style if you will there'll be some theology some philosophy a little psychology even uh, some personal experience some stuff i've ditched some stuff i've picked up some ideas all sorts of things so i'm really excited to upload that next week uh, on tuesday it's when we always drop our episodes and so be sure to subscribe Uh, let us know how you've liked this season so far Uh, we are on social media as well at spiritual nomad podcast on instagram and facebook Uh, so connect with us on there i always love to talk with people Uh, also my name is luke bricker you can always connect with me there as well always love to chat about these sort of things you know religion spirituality social justice um, love to chat about those things. So those are just a couple things I just wanted to make a plug for really quickly before we jump right back in to the second part of the episode with my friend, Corey.
1: When you really break down the basics of what the institutional church is, is it's a group of usually old white men <clears throat> making decisions about a building and a budget. Yep and those that's it you know and then we get people who come around and agree yeah this is the church and this is how we do it yeah we put a group of people in charge they get to, to control the building and the budget but everybody else is like that's the whole church I'm like no right actually they're just in charge of a building and a budget that's yeah. all they're in charge of and it's just a business and if you don't like you said that's the problem is that when we when we start with the maybe the purest of intentions in wanting to share the God that we know um, and wanting to come up with the best, most relevant way to share that. But you also pair it with, well, this month we have $300,000 in bills to pay to continue running this organization. When you put those two together, it doesn't work Right. because God is going to be perverted in the process. Mm. It's impossible for him to not be. Yeah. It's impossible you you just can't. And and I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that at a certain level organizing is important.
0: Yes, and, and that, yeah, that's I want to push into that a little more. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I think that it's important. And I mean we're we being our, you know, kind of rogue crew of folks who follow Jesus here in Ocean Beach are have been asking that question, you know, in the past couple of years, and the folks that we're rolling with who are helping kind of um, equip and educate on maybe alternate faith expressions, we're, we're all asking those questions, Yeah, you know, of what does it look like, you know? And I, I mean, I think it's so interesting just talking to some of the folks in, um, from my old church periodically when I run into them, the same story happens. Where are you going to church? Oh, I have some folks in OB and we have kind of, you know, some community stuff going on. Well, do you guys have elders? (laughs) Where do you have any oversight and authority? Do you, who interprets the Bible and tells you how to live?
0: Mm.
1: Oh my God. I don't know. I mean, I guess we're probably not Christians. Mm. (laughs) I just don't understand.
0: Like I can't even, I can't
1: even engage those questions because those questions are fear and control. Right. That's it, fear and control. Right. And there's no god in them. Right. You know, I mean in that I mean the crazy thing about that kind of is you can really trace a little bit of that back to scripture. Which to me like and that that's a whole other right. like kind of tangent there is like there is enough in scripture for us to uh create some of the structure that the church has created. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of its authority structures and all of that stuff.
0: That we've elevated. Right. <laughs> right, know?
1: absolutely. You know, and we love it as humans because oh, yeah. it gives us something, you know, Especially, predictable yes. all of that, like control, understanding, da 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 da. All of those things. Um so you have to call into account the place that scripture has. You have to. Yeah. And that's really scary for people, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, if you start, I mean, and I've only started unpacking this the past couple of years. It's like, if you start looking at the reality of the words in the book that we call the Bible today, you know, best-selling book in the world. If you look at that and you look at the story of how those words came together, if you're even willing to ask those questions, like you're on the right path because I think we have to, we have to ask those questions, you know? And, um, just simply like, the stuff that Paul wrote in scripture, all of the stuff that Paul wrote, like thinking of the context of, in which Paul was writing. Yeah. You know, like Paul, Paul was writing letters to churches of real people. Right. And and, and we, over the years, and I was victim to it, too. It's like you say, OK, well, context, 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 context is everything. And the response is, well, it's the inerrant word of God
0: yeah q q right. news next series that is coming and, up <laughs> and immediately
1: if, yeah, if yeah. you say it's the inerrant word of God what you mean is that everything in there is prescriptive exactly how it's written when people say the bible is the inerrant word of God that's what they mean they mean that they want it to, for the most part they don't they wouldn't be able to articulate that probably but what they mean is they want to take everything that's in the Bible and prescribe it to life today yep and for a long time in, you know, like in the homosexuality conversation, you hear that a lot. Well, we need to take, you know, the eight verses in scripture that talk about it and see them in context. Right. And my initial reaction was like, you're just saying that because, you like that achieves your agenda. Right. Like if you take them in context and that achieves your agenda, but you're not after the heart of God, you're after achieving your agenda, which was probably true. Right. So if we back up and we're honest about it and we go, what is the heart of God? Yeah. Like we, we live in a world where I believe that we have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. And like that God is so, so, so much bigger than we'll ever comprehend.
0: Right. Like,
1: I mean, and this is another one where there's millions of people in the world that will be like, this guy is a heathen. It's like, how has scripture limited us? Right. Like, and why are we afraid to ask that question? Why yeah. are we afraid to ask that question? Fear and control.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't I think it's okay to ask that
0: right like and so my question for you is and I this that's probably is gonna be a soundbite for the next season that's gonna come up because it's perfect my question to you is on this idea of people leaving the institutional church the people that are beginning to ask these questions and, and I I do want to, um, to to say earlier I said you know about more enlightened or whatever I, I don't mean better or more smart or more wise or sage-ish if you will totally what i mean by that is mentally being able to go to that place i think somebody's like making a uh uh smoothie or something so (laughs) we're an ob dude anything anything can happen
1: yeah last time people were tripping over the computer cord and right
0: yeah, yeah 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 it's it's amazing what a beautiful place but the people that are that are ha- asking these questions and people I know friends that listen to this podcast and they're not even thinking about this stuff until we are bringing it up. Mm. and mm. but I do feel mm. a, a little bit of responsibility to not just bring something up, kind of ruin somebody's <laughs> worldview mm. and leave them and say, well, Hope you get it like I get it one day. Yeah. So with those conversations with people that are willing to ask the questions that aren't just looking to pick a fight or argue or anything, but like people that are like, you know, I never thought about this until you've been living it. Mm. And I've never really, Mm -hmm. you know, like I've been going to this church and I've not really thought of it like that. But now that you're saying stuff like that and this conversation is growing, like I do kind of get what you're saying. Like what do we do with with that you know what i'm saying and i guess my biggest thing is how do we if it's a sword to be wielded responsibility with mm. spiritual formation and things of that nature how do i not give in to the same thing of just trying to control them to get them to, to now come to this side of the fence yeah but how do i foster a an environment for them to be able to grow and learn with that i have people text me all the time what books do you recommend for this or that who should i listen to for this or that and it's like how do I, you know, certainly try to help them be a guide, but also leave that room for God to be able to interact? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I do. So I don't just want to leave people with like, ah, damn, everything sucks. You know, yeah. like, well, how are we beginning to rebuild this? And, and you know, in a unique and different way. I know we're still asking the questions, but I think there is some ways, are some ways, whatever, correct my grammar, that that, that is beginning to take shape. And how is that looking like with the spiritual journey center here in OB and your life and, and just thinking of a person that's in that space, you know?
1: Yep. Um, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that it's, um, something that I lose track of sometimes is the, the hearts of the folks who are hearing some of this stuff, which is really, um, for many shattering like what is foundational yeah for them yeah um and it's a it's a solid point to to recognize like for those of us who are sharing that you know we also have maybe a social responsibility to um not just let people fall right and i think kind of where that brings me is to a point of wanting People to know and understand that where all of this is coming from is a care for who God is. That's where it's coming from. That's what we're running after is we're trying to include more of the character of God in, in our lives. Yeah, And that my... Ever changing, but current understanding and understanding is maybe a bad word. Current experience of God is that it is not my job in life to come up with any right answers, hmm. and that the grace that we've been given, that has been so widely preached in our churches, um, has not yet fully been experienced because in the spaces where people feel like they're falling because we're asking really scary questions like how inerrant is scripture and what does that mean yeah um has my whole life and experience of faith been a lie because i've been living in living in and out of a space that you're saying is not right or not the best yeah Uh, all these things that are just life shattering right like And what I think is so interesting and kind of at the same time points to that those questions are helpful is like that should put people in a space where they have to really lean into God in a way that they haven't before, because when you're willing to ask those questions, you can't lean back on a book. And you can't lean back on a podcast, and you can't lean back on your pastors, and you can't lean back on your elders, and you can't lean, you can't lean back on anything. You're pulling the rug out of everything that you've ever known. Like, I don't think that uh, I don't think that for the sake of free fall that we should always pull everything out so that we're always free falling. I don't think we should do that on purpose. But I think that when they when it feels like the next move is to pull out, like, the last thing, and then the floodgates are going to open. Jinga,
0: dude. Like,
1: <laughs> do it. Yeah. Because that's the God that we believe in. This is the God that we've been talking about in our churches for so many years, whose character we have yet to fully experience because we continue to try and describe it in full ourselves.
0: Yeah.
1: And, like, for for people that are starting to press into those questions, all I can all I can say and suggest is like lean into like the spirit and give yourself space to experience God in a way you never have before. Yeah. You know, and like maybe let yourself be unresourced for a while. Yeah. And and see what that's like. Like you're gonna be okay. Yeah. You know, and you might come out better on the other side because of it, because maybe you'll experience God in a way that you haven't before. And there are so many, so many, so many scary things about that, because um, if you're not in a community of people or in a space where like you can freely share those convictions and have at least space for people to say, you know, encourage you in it. (laughs) Yeah. or maybe at worst you're in a community of people where asking those questions out loud or even in a one-on-one conversation would cause persecution, mm. guilt to come into play. Um, man, just find people, right? <laughs> find people, find people who are safe spaces. And, and if you've got the strength, start to be one of those people who are a safe space to ask those questions because we need it right now.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's where a lot of this boils down to, like what we're trying to do for that, and like you know, as as you know, yeah, uh, the the definition of church planter for me has majorly evolved and shifted, mm. and I think that's where I'm at right now mm. is in the face of not not a reaction to, but rather um, in in optimism create spaces for this place you know i think mm-hmm. sometimes in fear we, we react you know so not in necessarily a reaction to what the church is but but to create these spaces and this is what i want to do and i think what yeah. what you guys are doing down here uh, is crucial too. and end on some of this is i just want to create spaces for that yeah and so that's what you know what we're doing with the open table you know yeah. with our mutual yeah. friends yeah, And uh, CJ and Jandy, shout out, great yeah. people. And, and I think what we're trying to do is is just really, you know, and where I have to just uh, completely set my, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, down and just say I don't have an agenda for this or these people, but that these people would truly know what it means to, to know God and to create environments that are safe to be able to all the nitty-gritty stuff mm. that comes with knowing God. Because yeah. I think we've made it clean to know God, and I think it's a really dirty endeavor to to mm-hmm. be in relationship with and do life mm. with the creator of all things.
1: And that's that's a really good way to describe it. And to move from we're never it's never gonna be clean. Right. It's not ever intended to be clean. Right. Like, this is a forever tension to manage, to put it in Andy Stanley's words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like this is <laughs> This God is not a problem to solve at all, ever, right? In any context. Yeah. And like, I think that it's a warning sign and a red flag the second that we start to nail God down into these boxes, into these spaces where he's fully understandable and describable and like livable, and we have a prescription for exactly how to be in relationship with God. Like, that is a red flag. Those things are red flags. Like, yeah. I think that it's upon those of us who are pressing into new ways of experiencing and understanding the living God and also care for the organization of people, both, which is not everybody, but I mean, it's the church plantary types of us that are like doing both. Um, I think it's upon us just, as you said, to create spaces for those conversations and that's it. Yep. And the reason why that we even have to do that work, like the reason why that we have to do that work at all is because... We live in a time when information and people can move really quickly. Yeah. And um, when there, I think, is more fear in the world today than maybe ever. Yep. <laughs> and the reason why I say that, I mean, there's, there have been, has been lots of like persecution and fear and uh, dictatorships and all of the things throughout all of our history but today, we experience them on a global level because the information travels so quick. Yes. In for our ancestors, you know, they experienced, I think, similar problems, but they only experienced them locally. Yeah. Right? And Or at best, heard of things months after they happened. Yeah. Right? And in the past 200 years, that has just gotten increasingly more and more and more and more and more. And now it's, we, we take on the world's burdens. And I think that like, the work that we have to do as leaders of people is refocus, I think, on what it looks like. And the, I mean, this kind of gets into some of our Spiritual Journey Center and my OB crew is like, refocus people on what it looks like to just care for your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And like, we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah and that's one of those things that I think we're missing out on is because of the speed that we can move um, physically as people and and as information travels like we can we no longer have to press into what it looks like to be a good neighbor and experience life with the people who live right next door to us. Yeah. Now we can experience life just with people who think the same thing <laughs> from behind the computer screen, or even we can experience life with people who think the same thing by traveling to conferences and all you know corroborating each other's Meet stories, and, <laughs> you yeah, know? which none of that stuff is inherently bad, but I right. think it's lost out on what used to be, all right, here's our parish, there's a thousand people who live here, we're all very different, and we have no choice but to come together to contend for each other. And, like, that was so beautiful. Right. Like, I wish that I could experience that. And you know what? It goes on around the world in some places. Yeah. And, I mean, hearing stories of tribes in, you know, the depths of Africa and, uh, I mean, even folks that are, you know, the underground Bible studies and stuff in China. Like, places where people truly are pushed to the end of, of humanity to the point where they just have to come together with the people that are there and live their life. Like that that's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and these all of these questions about who God is and the institutional church and all of that, I think are best explored in terms of like your local context. Yeah. Um but that it's countercultural right now. Like it's it's it is. It's countercultural and I mean, even I struggle with that, you know, like I left the church and wanted to start engaging in this community space. And then I moved around Southern California for the next four years and changed place. Like, I don't think I stayed in one address for longer than seven months. Yeah, You know, and I got to the end and I'm like, this is what's normal. You know, and every time I would talk about the next move with my group of friends who are also scattered around Southern California and the world, you know, we're all encouraging each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go find a new place, like explore something new. That's great. Yeah. You know, like that's, I almost moved to Australia for no good reason besides wanting to like scuba dive the Great Barrier Reef every day, (laughs) you know? And uh, all of my friends are like, that's great, Corey. You know, that's so awesome. Like, go. And two of my best friends challenged that and were like, why are you doing that? You know, like we're going to throw your why back in your face. Like you're always challenging us on our purposes. Like, why are you doing that? Yep. And I mean, I had my stuff packed. I was ready to go. Like I, I literally, I bought my visa. I had my plane tickets. Like this was happening. And I'm so glad they questioned that. Cause when I came back, I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm just going because that's what everybody else does. Like, I feel like I should go and get an experience and live in another country. And like, I had really good career reasons why as well. Like, I had job opportunity there that would kind of springboard my career goals at that time back home. And like, especially if you're talking career, I mean, nine out of 10 people are going to be on board with anything that you can say is a career move. Right. No matter what it is. Yeah. You know, because we've we've all got to make money we've elevated that so we've priorities. elevated that so high you know so I'm like damn it is so easy to con-. even I knew in the back of my heart one of those times where it's like this isn't the right thing but it's so easy to convince people that it is yeah and that purpose that I came back to and this kind of points at community is I was like man I would love to move to Australia that'd be so rad like there'd be so many cool things about that and cool experiences would come a bit that I could share and everybody would be like yeah that's awesome but I would be creating relationships with expiration dates and I wasn't planning on staying there longer than 12 months at most. And I felt dead inside thinking of that fact before even doing it. Yeah. Because I had just experienced what it was like for the past four years to create relationships with expiration dates. Yeah. Every community I moved into, I, I was never planning on staying there longer than seven or eight months at most. Right. And I was getting so tired of that. So I had all of this, like left the institutional church, want to start doing this community thing and then all I'm doing is moving around because I don't know any better. Yeah. So when I was like, all right, what's the first thing that I need to do? What's my first move? What's my next right move, right? That's yep. always like a good question to ask. Not yeah. well, not what's the grand plan? What's my next right move? Yeah. Like my next right move is to go somewhere and stay there. Yeah. Because the basics of what I believe in my heart is that in order to do like to do life this way, you have to be in community with people. Yeah. You can't be in community with people if you're leaving.
0: Right. So. Which is in, on that topic of church is that it's being engaged and involved with the community of people. Yeah. And so that's what I think you are doing now. And, right. and, you know, you, the Spiritual Journey Center, and just to kind of wrap up with some of that is, what does that look like then? If we're, I think, not that we're giving antidotes here or anything, but the The thing is is find people that you can journey with. yep. find people that you can can safely explore these topics with that you can have conversation and dialogue with. A value that I personally have have really been holding yeah. on to is dialogue over dogma. Yeah. I think that's crucial. People that will sit down and dialogue with you, not tell you, well, this is what you should and this is what you shouldn't, and you're out of line and it, right. Who can you have conversation with? Who can yeah. you wrestle with, explore with? I mean, the, I think the Bible is full of people who wrestle with God. People are named after that in the yeah. Bible. Yeah. He who wrestles with God. I mean, we've we've kind of lost that. And so I think what we're encouraging people to do is, regardless if you're involved at a Sunday church or handing out bulletins or not, that's, you know, or, um, you know, programs as we would call it you know in our church context right not bulletins. that's hard. old school got to keep it real uh but that stuff's fine and great but who are you journeying with and you know no pun intended we're here at the spiritual journey center and i yeah. think that's exactly what we're after is people who we can journey with together on this spirituality because it's it it is this dialogue yeah it's this thing that happens and there's something really bizarre and uh, mystic, I would say, about people getting together without an agenda, but just want to converse with each other about the divine. Yeah. I mean, there's something wild that happens around that and energizing and sometimes scary, but sometimes yeah. really exhilarating. Yeah. And, you know, it's
1: a it's a mindset change. But, you know, if someone is hearing all of this and going like, all right, you know, what are my next steps? You yeah. know, like I, I, I'm I love what you're saying. You know, I I'm maybe a church refugee there's so many of them right now you know going flailing and going like what what the hell do i do you know like i feel like i'm without a community the only thing i know is to jump back into a church so i'm just going to keep like waiting until i find the right church if you can shift it from that to how can i just love my neighbors how can i love my parish how can i love my town how can i like just live my life right here where i am Like, the first piece of advice I was given when I moved to OB was start figuring out who the people of peace are in your town. Yeah. And I love that because the answer is not go figure out who the pastors are. Right. Go figure out where the churches are. Go figure out, you know, like, that's not it. Who are the people of peace? Whether they're people who proclaim the name of Jesus or not, a lot of them are probably people who are exhibiting who God wants us to be more than the people in the churches anyways. Word. And that's what I'm finding in OB. Yeah. And you know what's so interesting is after doing that, I'm like, some of the people of peace that I found were pastors. And I was honestly surprised by that. <laughs> I mean, no knock, right. to our pastor friends, you know, but I was like, sweet dude, like there's a couple people in OB who are already killing it, you know? And at least here anyways, what I experienced is like, people of peace here are people who are like on the town council, which I'm now a part of, people who run the Main Street Association and care for the businesses people who are rogue and like whose names I started to find out, like go hang out with the homeless on the beach and bring sandwiches and eat with them. Not the churches who are doing feedings and bringing Costco water bottles and like coming in from out of town and like not relating at all. But the people who live here who aren't posting their event on Facebook or trying to get anybody to fund it, but just buy a bag of sandwiches and go sit down at the beach with people who live in our neighborhood. Yeah. Like, those are people. Not a of,
0: marketing tactic. Not,
1: yeah, those are people at peace. And like, why do you care whether they love Jesus or not? Right. Like, why is the number one question like, where are the God people?
0: That wasn't Jesus question. That wasn't
1: Jesus question ever. Right. Ever. Not once. Granted, this dude had 12 really great friends, right? And, yeah. you know, three of them like his best friends that he got to journey with. And that was great. But he didn't start that way. Right. Right. And, like, that's it.
0: <laughs> and even whenever they banded together, that was never their mission. It was never their mission. And whenever he sent them out, he, he, he literally said the people of peace. And I think for anybody listening to this, I think that is the goal is to find not only people of peace to journey with, but I think, <laughs> as, as cliche as it sounds, an, an inner peace with yourself and God. Because I think a lot of the stuff in churches is out of an uh, insecurity of that.
1: Oh yeah, it's the fear and control thing. Right. Not having it. Right. You know? And this is not I mean, you can't describe the fullness of living this way in any length of time. Right. Which that's what's so hard. It's like there's not an elevator pitch for this. Like this is an experienced way of life. You know, like you just have to live it. Yeah. And start walking alongside people who are maybe have been doing it for a little while. And like we're people who are living this way, like I just say I'm I'm just living yeah you know like what's the mission what's the vision what's the organization what's the five year plan what's the six month plan what how are you growing what how are you going to organize i don't know dude i'm just finding the people of peace in my town and loving the people who live here yep and the spiritual journey center the building that we're in right now is a result of that it was a coming together of a handful of us who live in town going like hey let's do an experiment maybe this town could benefit from a neutral third space you know it's 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 not a center. I mean, it's spiritual journey center, but it's not the center of what we're doing. Right. And it's it's a result of people coming together saying, maybe this is a way that we can care for the town. Yeah. You know, and we're not even necessarily committed to the space for the long term, but what we are committed to is the group of people. Yeah. Right? And I mean, it provides a good platform for meetings and all sorts of sure, the things. Sure. Vin- it's
0: the venue. It's, it's the people that have yeah, it, not the venue. It's the,
1: it's the people, right? And if we ever get to a point in this space where like, Instead, we're fighting to pay the bills or instead we're, you know, like having to contend for the space before we're contending for people, then we're lost. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's where a lot of churches get, you know, churches that start super. I mean, Mark Driscoll's church started in a home, right? Yep. Like probably was great with that group of people. Got obviously way too big for its britches. And <laughs> in in that process, you lose what you once had. Yeah. which is you stop contending for the people and you start contending for the organization and everything that the organization has and its assets and liabilities. And like, that's not it. right? You know, and my my goal here is to continue to hold that tension uh, amongst the crew that we're running with. yeah. You know, and call that into question when it needs to be called into question. You guys, let's remember why we're here. We're people of peace in this town. We're neighbors loving neighbors. We're just here to do life and like live out our faith together.
0: Yeah, That's it. Yeah.
1: And... I mean, when I moved into OB, I didn't know anybody. I barely knew the guys that live in the house that I live in. And I'll never forget. Well, I think I shared this in the last or the first episode I was on. I walk out the front door and I'm just going, God, how am I supposed to do this? Yeah, I don't know anybody in this town. I don't even know what this town's about. I moved here blind and I have no intentions of leaving. And when you have that posture of no intentions of leaving, it's like, it, it's just like it's we we're talking uh, offline about relationships. It's just like diving into a marriage and going like, I'm not looking for compatibility here. Like, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm choosing to love you. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with the town. I'm coming in. I'm choosing to be here. Yeah. So I'm not waiting for like the first sign that I should leave or that I'm not compatible with the town or that this isn't a place that gives me life. That's not what it's about. It's not about the town serving me. It's about me serving the people who live here. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how they are. Right. It doesn't matter how I feel. You know? So with that posture, I go, I just gotta start meeting people. Do I knock on doors and just start talking to people and having conversations? How do I do it? And it was that people of peace question that got me on the right track. You know? Because, I mean, in these days, I had the benefit of being able to search online and be like, okay, what are things that people of peace do? Yeah, You know, where are organizations that at least right now are making the town better? What was really funny is after meeting with like two people that I found online, I didn't need to search anymore because those people of peace knew all the other people of peace in the neighborhood. And that was it. It's a network. It's a network. Dude. And that's how we came together. That's how this group came together. The folks that journey here with another crew that meets at um, a friend of mine's house on Sundays, like we're, we're just doing life. That's it. And, you know to be perfectly honest like we fall as a, a group into some of the the traps i think of culture sometimes of going like art like the questions you're saying you know with open table like man if this became a big thing that'd be great but we're not going to force it into that mold you know i think some of us are still shedding some of that totally. you know and Absolutely. asking those questions of like are we doing it right are we this are we that and like that's okay like, we're going to wrestle with that tension for the rest of our life, probably. That's that's what it is, you know? But, like, this is, I mean, there's a book called Slow Church. This is slow church if there ever was slow church. Yeah, yeah. This is a lifelong way of living. Yeah. This is not something where you're going to get immediate satisfaction on a Sunday or a Wednesday or six months from now or next year. You're not going to get it. And you have to shed that need for satisfaction 100% or at least put yourself on a path to shedding it 100% and agree that, like, that kind of satisfaction is not helpful or necessary to express your faith well um, in order to do it. Right. Because you're not going to get it.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And, I mean, it's... It's like I said, we are talking about covenant relationships offline. I think it's the exact same thing in marriage, you know? Like, if you start with any iota of expectation or expectation of compatibility of what it's going to be, eventually that thing is going to hit you and fester, and you'll have to hit that. It's the same thing with this way of life. Right. Like, don't be um, deceived into thinking that community life has anything to do with, like, raw joy or you know that everything is just fantastic and we all sit around the fire and kumbaya and sing songs and have tacos which we do all of that stuff but yeah yeah it's it's hard
0: <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's a more well-rounded you know it, it seems to be sometimes church is just more of the hurrah like let's just get amped and yeah. feel good this is more of a human experience it's It's a it's in all the ins and outs of it and i'll tell you it's it's a big temptation for me you know like what you're saying to want to do things in the way that you know church culture has said or i say like to do what the book has told me to do you know and stuff and right and uh i'll just end with with this super cliche quote that someone once told me this guy he was in a uh uh he was in england and there was this uh he told me about this as he was touring, the tour guide showed him a picture of Bono and he, he hmm. said that Bono came through this area as well. And that, that same tour guide was with Bono it, as hmm. with my friend. And he, he asked Bono, he said, uh, it was a picture of Bono when he was like 23 years old. Okay. And Bono like old now, you know? <laughs> right. And, and he brings him through and he says, what would you tell 23 year old Bono? Hmm. And he just paused and he said, You were right. (laughs) That's all he said. You were right. And I think for us, just remembering the early stages, I think with, with the conversations we're having now and the convictions we have now, the satisfaction of one day looking back through all the difficulty, through all the temptation of wanting to do things the shortcut way or whatever... To stay true to that so one day I can look back on myself and say, you were right. Yeah, that's good. And staying true to all that. So I am super thrilled uh, to be a part of the Spiritual Journey Alliance. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Or, or, you know, uh, uh, as they like to say, Escha. And uh, I just, I appreciate you. I appreciate the Spiritual Journey Center and the Spiritual Journey Alliance. And i um, glad to be a part of all of it. And Awesome. Thank you so much for your words, man. Yeah, thank you.
1: likewise. Cheers.